This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. This episode of the Abraham's Wallet podcast is sponsored by Outpost Advisors. Outpost Advisors is a financial planning firm that was set up around the very same principles that underpin everything we talk about here at Abraham's Wallet. Families that work with Outpost Advisors walk through a guided process to understand their unique purpose, craft a family vision, and then put their resources to work in service of that vision. They're a fee-only advisor, which means they don't sell any insurance or investments, and they're fiduciaries, meaning that they're legally obligated to act in the best interest of their clients. If your family could use some guidance when it comes to finances and family vision, then reach out to Outpost Advisors by visiting them at outpostadvisors.net. Well, welcome to uh, Abraham's Wallet Podcast. What are we going to talk about today, Stephen? Well, I've got a bee in my bonnet today, Mark, and I'm uh, loaded for bear to discuss a little bit around the subject of readiness. What does it mean to be ready? And there are there's a lot of biblical uh, a lot of biblical stuff around the way that we live our lives, kind of the way we interact with the church, the way you interact with the Bible, and they all have knock-on effects into finances. And so I'd like to explore that a bit, if we may. And I think I think, uh, I think this might be a longer-ish of a discussion. Sweet. Are I'm, you ready for it? I'm ready for it. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm I'm going to talk probably a little bit about what... I see in my day-to-day as a financial planner. Great. And let's go. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's intro- let, let's roll music. Okay, good music. All right, we're back. Um, we, we don't do that. Oh, here. sorry. We, the music always happens at the beginning. Oh, oh I, I don't know how it's it It's so that they don't know if it's going to be a Stephen Manuel podcast or a Mark Parrott <laughs> podcast, because if we told them that at the beginning... I feel like my podcast would only get about oh, 10 listens. That's sweet, and I'm sorry. Okay, now, let's talk about, first, I just want to, we're just going to wade into some biblical waters. I'm going to try to keep myself from making financial applications to everything that I'm saying, um, and, then, and then we'll just kind of talk as we go. So the first thing I, I just want to hit on a second is the, is the subject of order. Now I don't know if you I don't know how much you've studied about creation and and the way that God built creation over 6 days and how he he did foundational things he did light and darkness then he separated waters and he and he did this step by step extremely ordered building of creation and if you ever watched <clears throat> something like um uh, what's that uh, planet? What's the planet show? Planet Earth. Planet Earth. There's a new series called Life. B- the BBC also did this thing called Life. We have that currently, and my girls are going through it. 
you you watch these these science and nature things and you see the outrageous order involved I, i would like to take a little detour here for a second and just say this sometimes i take pictures of when i see uh, uh, people on a sidewalk who have, who have, I don't know, spelled a name in rocks or somebody who has carved initials into a tree. And maybe those initials that they carved in the tree took, I don't know, s- 10 gouges of the knife to make, to make these little initials in a tree. And I think nobody who walked by that tree and saw 10 gouges that spelled three initials, nobody would say that that happened accidentally. There's no, there was no purpose behind it. They just appeared there. And yet, you look at the complexity of an eyeball or the complexity of a human hand, and you just think that happened by chance. It boggles my mind. Anyways, these things, we look around at nature, and you just see there's order everywhere. It's order. Even the way that the seasons work, the way that the lunar schedule works, it's order, order, order. Yeah. Even the way that nature organizes itself in hierarchies. Absolutely. You don't just get a bunch of, um, you know, pick your animal. They're whatever they are from the single celled up to the really smart monkeys. They're organizing themselves sort of like we do. Constantly, constantly. And you see order in creation by the way that God did creation. You, let's, we can look through the scriptures, and we can see that there's a very specific order that God has created for the family. There's a home, there's a home order that he has not only designated, but he talks about specifically. And he talks about, you know, we see passages like Ephesians 5 that describe, here's these different roles that a father has, that a mother has, that children have we can see that there's a specific order in the church. I mean, forget even the hierarchy thing about, about what, how church is managed, although that is order. You can look at the way that Paul describes the way a church meeting is supposed to go in 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, and there's order everywhere. God, God is not a fan of chaos and anarchy. Even order. in the household, Stephen? Even in the household. Okay. Yeah. You're just going to leave that there? All right. Let's, we can just keep moving on. But another thing I thought of was... If that's news to the listener that we're fans of well-ordered <laughs> homes, then you can go back to our tagline. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you can. Um, even I w- I've been listening this week to a guy teaching about angelic hierarchies. And there are hierarchies in the way that God God has ordered angelic beings, heavenly creatures, what the Old Testament refers to as sons of God. You can see that if you look in uh, Ephesians 6, we see that list of um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against. And then we get this list of hierarchies in the in the, you know, the dark spiritual forces everywhere. There's order. Um I just found one passage. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to control myself with how many passages I throw at you all. But this is just. I'm just picked one out because I've already referred to creation, et cetera. But this is from Isaiah 28. Um, it says, uh, "This is Isaiah 28, starting with verse 23." 
Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? The answer is no, you don't plow continually. When he has leveled its surface, now listen to the process described here. When he has leveled its surface, doesn't he then scatter dill and sow cumin and put in put the wheat in rows and barley in its proper place and emmer as the border? For he is rightly instructed, his God teaches him. And this passage is describing um, the difference between someone who is rightly taught of God and there's order and there's a plowing, but you don't plow forever. You plow until the field is level. Then you do. Then there's a planting, and even you 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 decide where there's a right place for emmer to to be planted. Shouldn't be planted in the rows. The middle should be planted on the border. And there's an order. There's an orderliness to a vineyard and to wheat fields. And of course, these are these are images that Jesus goes back to over and over and over again. The point of this passage in Isaiah 28 is that God likes order, and a man of God is orderly also. He learns of God in an orderly way. Okay, put a pin in that. I'm done with order for the moment. Ready? You're ready. Okay. I'm moving on to, to a subject of readiness. Okay, this is very related to order, but readiness. Okay, I, I'm going to read a couple of passages about readiness, but I can tell you um, throughout the scriptures, readiness is a, is a huge deal. Okay, Revelation 16, 15, you, maybe you've heard this. Behold, I am coming like a thief, says Jesus. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Like the picture is, I'm coming. Nobody knows when I'm coming. So your job is to stay vigilant and be ready so that when I come, you're not caught uh, sleeping. You're not caught naked, according to this passage. We know the parable of the ten virgins. Don't be caught without the oil of the Spirit in your lamp. There's a, there's a readiness, readiness, readiness is said throughout the Scriptures. I'm going to read one more famous passage about readiness, and I'll be... Done reading Bible passages about readiness. Just talk about it a little bit. Proverb. This is Proverbs six again, a famous passage. But I'm gonna. The verse that I wanted to center on was "Go to the ant." We've heard that before. Go to the ant and watch him and learn from him. But I'm gonna read more of this passage because guess what? This passage is talking about money. It's talking about money. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much. But it is talking about money. Listen, listen what it says. My son, this is Proverbs 6. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, like you co-signed a lease for your neighbor, if you've shaken your hands in pledge for a stranger, if you've been trapped by what you said and ensnared by the words of your mouth. Now, it's talking about debt here. I, I it says, talking about pledge and security that I put up for a neighbor. And I, put, I sent my money out, and oh no, I didn't know where I had sent my money. And oh boy. And you've been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words in your mouth. Do this, now listen to this encouragement. Do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest 
Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hands of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Another, another uh, word for that sluggard is slacker. Go to the ant, you slacker. Consider its ways and be wise. Now the ant has no commander, no overseer or ruler. The point of that is nobody's poking a, a spear in his side, telling him to do this. You've got to do this. It doesn't have somebody pushing him. And yet, this is uh, Proverbs 6, 8, and yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest time. How long will you just lie there, sluggard? That's probably about be my little central verse for this whole discussion. How long will you just lie there, you sluggard slacker? So here's a guy who's gotten himself trapped into debt. He's in trouble. And the Bible says, don't rest until you can get yourself out from under that debt that you have put yourself in. Don't stop. And it says, um, um, it says, don't there shouldn't you shouldn't need a commander on top of you or an overseer or ruler telling you every day you know work on this why don't you get out from under this debt it says don't don't even sleep you should be pushing yourself to get free and the the, the idea of the ant is he's re- he's and we're supposed to go to the ant and learn he is readying himself at all times even in the middle of summer when everything's comfortable and there's tons of food out there in the field, <clears throat> he's not thinking, well, things look good now. You know what he's doing? He's getting ready. He's getting ready for what's coming. So there's this picture of readiness to consider its ways, to plan, to plan and be ready. Now, that's true on a spiritual level again. I don't want Jesus to come back and me go, oh, shoot, I wasn't thinking about Jesus for the last 10 years. I don't want to do that. You can remember Jesus talking to the Pharisees. You guys... You can interpret the signs of the sky, but you don't even know the signs of the times. You don't know the times that we're living in. I see that all the time. People unconcerned with the times that we're living in. And I personally, I want to be ready. Uh, So because readiness, 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 you see it all over the scriptures, this planning, readiness, and the order thing. How are you doing out there? Give me a little reaction. I've been lecturing a little while. Yeah, I think that when you talk about get out from under the boot of of debt that that makes me go hmm what does that even look like in our culture i think we're going to talk about it in a second when we get to what does this mean for average american joe yeah um who is listening joe uh, hey joe hey we're glad you're listening um but yeah it's hard for me to even start talking about my reactions without diving straight into the to the reaction i would just say that um this this isn't like um things that were only applicable to paul's you know right galatian audience right 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 these could be said face to face with 95 percent of the people i run into today so i think you're on to something i think it's unfortunate because <laughs> we've had a couple thousand years to <laughs> to get good at digest this. these words but um yeah, I'm just sitting here scribbling like, oh, that makes me think of this and great. Um, so, keep going. So you're tracking with me. I'm with you. Okay. So, here's what we've established. God likes order. He wants order, 
And I'll throw this, I didn't say this about order, but one of his pleasures, this is, this, is, this is big picture, this is one of the arcs of all of Scripture, one of his pleasures is to enlist underlings, and I say that specifically not people, because I think he's done this with angels as well, what we call angels, you know, these sons of God. And he does it with people as well. He likes to enlist his servants that aren't as good as him or as smart as him or as strong as him. He likes to enlist them in the family business so that they bring order to the things underneath them. He actually, Jesus says that he gives us the kingdom to administrate. Now, I don't think I can administrate the kingdom of God as good as God can, but he's not worried about that for some reason. What he really likes is growing me up, and he likes giving me authority. And he's like, you're going to do a great job. I really believe in you which is really sweet and cute, and it's like making brownies with your kid and going, that is not, we don't like eggshells in the brownies. Oh, my. But he likes it. He does that with us all the time. So order is something that not only is in his heart, it's part of his destiny for his people that we would bring order around us. And then secondly, this readiness subject that it's encouraged it's warned about in the scriptures about not being ready, and that's part, it's on us. That's one of our responsibilities is to be ready in all sorts of ways. Okay, ready? Here we go. La- last little point I want to make is about um, being unaware or ignorant. Now, I, I made reference to this last night. We are talking. I did a study a couple of years ago just on the word ignorance, um, just in a like a quiet time. I don't know why, but I just started looking around about ignorance or lack of knowledge. You know, it's this, my people are dying from lack of vision. So the Bible talks about the people are dying for the word of the Lord. They're hungry. They're starving. And so I just did a little, a little study on, on ignorance. And I was surprised to find, because I think that we think of, for instance, with uneducated people, our heart goes out to the uneducated and we go, wow, we got to get them knowledge and we want to get them knowledge about how to take care of themselves physically. And we want to give them information and we need to get people educated. The Bible isn't like that with ignorance. It doesn't go, oh, I am so sorry that you are ignorant. The Bible condemns ignorance and, and it says you should have known better. You should have learned you should have studied, you should have found out, and it doesn't like ignorance th- throughout the Bible. It's not a good thing, and it's not a, it's not a blessing in any way. So, you, you know, I'm just going to refer to a couple verses. Luke 21, 34 basically says, don't let the end times sneak up on you. Don't be unaware that they're coming. Galatians 2, 4 and Jude both talk about don't let false prophets sneak into your churches or to your families or start influencing you. And I don't, I don't think that only means people are going to take over your pulpit. I think that means podcasts that get into your house. I think that means sermons that you watch on TV or, I don't know, music that uh, has a little Christian veneer, but it isn't, it isn't truth. We're supposed to be vigilant and not be unaware that things are sneaking in on us. Um, we're supposed to be ready to defend the gospel. We're not supposed to be unaware, you know, of what's going on. I was even thinking about um, the, the, the 
armor of God in Ephesians 6, and it says that our feet are shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, and that we're supposed to be ready at all times. You know, you think about... Um, you think about, uh, uh, this is Galatians, I think, it says that your language should always be seasoned with salt so that you're always ready to give someone an answer when they question you about the gospel. And I, I'll speak for myself. There have been decades of my life when I thought I wouldn't know how to a- answer somebody if they poked me on some philosophical point about my faith. The Bible would say to me, I don't care if I'm 25 or 45, get ready learn, do a little bit of study, do a little research so that you can answer people. Um, all right. So my, the last thing I'm going to say before we start talking brass tacks and money is, um, the beginning of Isaiah 38, Isaiah is talking to Hezekiah and you, I'm sure you've heard this phrase, but you might not know where it came from. Isaiah is talking to, uh, Hezekiah and he says, he, he rushes in his house, he sees disarray and here's a guy that's dying and doesn't look good. And Isaiah, I imagine he points a long bony finger in his face and says, get your house in order. And so that's my jumping off point for uh, for us to talk brass tacks, which is get your house in order. So we're talking about order, readiness, that ignorance isn't good. Yeah. And I want to go backwards on your list. Okay. So, you know, when I think about ignorance, the first thing that actually jumps to my mind when I think about what, how does this really play out in the people that I talk to about money day to day, some of whom probably are the types of people who are listening to this podcast. Um, a lot of times the, the impetus to reach out to somebody to get some money help is a feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. And I would say those types of people span from I have got nothing and I'm completely unprepared. I've not got a clue on how to approach this order and readiness thing to I'm doing great, but I don't know if I'm doing great. Yes. But all of them share this this quality of I'm not sure if I'm doing what I should be doing because I don't know how. Um, and I think there's merit to that, like recognizing of one's course. own area of... yeah. Um, give me an expert, give me a mentor. But there's this other thing that sometimes I see often, I would say, and it, it's more of a Matthew 25 ignorance. It's, um, it's not, I don't know how to allocate investments, <laughs> right? Like, and I need to go do some study. Yeah. It, you know, when I read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, I don't think that the master came back and upbraided the foolish uh investor because he wasn't good at investing i actually think he would have been more pleased if this guy had been like i took your talent and i put it into this thing and i failed and i lost it i think that would have been a better outcome i know for sure that he would be he would get more approval then i buried it and i tried to pretend that i had no responsibility to it yeah because that's what he did that is exactly what I'm trying to get at. So it seems to me that there's a lot of burying one's head in the sand and and not, not well, I've got some specific questions about how do I allocate my investment funds. No, it's just, I know we're a mess. I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Don't, let's don't talk about it. Hey, let's go on vacation. 
and and just an an unwillingness to deal with reality and and actually be analyzed and look at the way things really are is that do you see that yeah so when i think about what what are the um the hallmark signs that somebody might be suffering from this type of ignorance when it comes to money it's some things are just really simple do you find yourself constantly shoving money thoughts, conversations, whatever, to the back of your mind. I don't want to think about it right now. Do you do you approach your spending by looking at whether there's any money in your checking account and then saying, oh, there's money in my checking account, so I must be okay. We'll get to that a little <laughs> bit when we talk about order, but um, that's a warning sign of willful ignorance too. Yeah. Is I, I make decisions based on whether, you know, it, it's so... I'm looking at only what's right in front of me to decide if I'm okay for today and not thinking long-term. We could well, talk. that's the ant. Right. Um, do you avoid talking about money with other people, especially people who aren't um, sticking their head in the sand about money because they make you feel like, oh, I don't like talking to him. I feel like a schmuck. Right. Um, is there nobody that knows your real situation when it comes that's to money? a great question. You know, it's really easy in the United States to have a beautiful home, to drive a very nice car, and to be on the absolute precipice of financial disaster. So um, the more I talk to people about their money, the more I'm like, I have no idea going into the conversation where anyone's at um, based on kind of looking at them externally. Because in our country, it's really easy to look like you've got way more or way less. Yep. Um, and then for you yourself, do you know kind of your basic stats? Hey, that's a good just, could it, could you tell me what your net worth is and be in the ballpark? Could you tell me what your credit score is? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a bunch of debt, do you, can you tell me what the what that looks like? Are our payments actually chipping away at it? Is it growing every month? Do we not know? We just kind of pay whatever they make us pay so that we don't get phone calls. Um, Those are good questions to go. If you answered yes to any of them, maybe there's some of this willful ignorance happening when it comes to money. Okay, so you've probably uh, indicted most people listening. We'll, we'll, We'll pile on a little bit more by talking just for a second about what readiness you think might look like. But then we'll after that we'll actually get to like maybe some hopeful steps of how you could start to do when Isaiah says to Hezekiah get your house in order. What would it look like to get your house in order? So before we go there and actually get something some hope for people, let's pile on a little bit more. Um, so yeah, what's the what's readiness look like? Well, let's talk about the opposite since we're in gloomy land right now. <laughs> okay, do it. And what is the result? Of the average behavior of saying, I'm just going to live as long as there's money to pay for today. I'm just going to ignore it. Oh, oh, I have an answer before you t- before you tell yours. <laughs> is Does it come from the scriptures? <laughs> no, oh. it doesn't. Um, well, there not there a, yeah, there's a the passage that says a little folding of the hands and poverty will come on you like a bandit when you don't expect it. It's a proverb somewhere. But... Um, but that's just a spiritual truth, right? Sorry. No, no, it's not. No, it's both. It's both. It's everywhere. 
if you let's just talk about relationships if you don't pay any attention to your marriage relationship and you just stop up your ears and go i don't want to hear about our problems ah guess what um fraction is going to come on you like a bandit and not when you're not expecting it well what what happened Suddenly she walked out on me. Well, what's what's going on? I don't know how it happened. Yeah, well, you weren't paying attention. You're you, you're not ready. You weren't you, you weren't um, staying up on things. You weren't ready. Um, I was just thinking of this story in my, in our family. I'm going to try to try to be general in the way that I talk about this. We had a family member who this guy was a lawyer. All his life raked in mounds of dough. All his life. And, you know, boats and parties and vacations and anybody now say, oh, this is a successful guy. He's got a big life. Um, And now here we are um, at the end of his life. uh, We got into his finances as as family. This guy had nothing. He had no plans. He didn't even have money to take care of himself in his end days and had no plans for, you know, funeral, burial costs, nothing. He had no plans even for what his inheritance would look like. I mean, and he doesn't have hardly anything to give to anybody. Um, and so guess who's, you know, guess who's fixing all that stuff? Well, his descendants are fixing all that stuff and you just go, Holy moly, if he had had readiness on his brain, his his story could be so much different. And the way that his family looks back at his life is going to be so dramatically impacted by the fact that he had this willful ignorance and lack of readiness and lack of order. Yeah, well, that's a truth that's one of the first things that you learn when you start digging into the stats on this stuff is that... It doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you make if you aren't good at um, ordering your mm-hmm. financial picture yeah you will have nothing at the end of the day and that is true I mean it's true for people that I've had conversations with that are have that have seven figure incomes um, that's that's a, such a great point because I think we live in an age and I just think of us our our peers the guys that we kind of jostle with and run with and we think that wealth is the same thing as income we think if you're making a lot of money you're rich and and that's not true that's not wealth wealth isn't making a lot of money no absolutely uh, you know I've talked about it a ton that I my wife's a physician I get I have a privilege of talking to a bunch of young doctors usually about once a month and I just harp on this because they are in a profession where generally they're going to go from making very little and having a bunch of debt as trainees to making a ton of money. Um, Even the ones that are making the lowest salaries among the doctors are doing okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them are making ungodly amounts of money. Mm -hmm. Um, but the statistics say they don't end up wealthy. That's crazy. And you'd go, why in the world? Well, it's this. And so, were you going to read a Bible passage about where it ends up? When you no, said, I was going to tell you some, okay, some tell, just stats tell about how, the basic American okay. situation. How's it end up? So we've talked about the stat that more than half of the households in America can't handle a fourteen hundred dollar emergency. That's one of my favorite stats. It's true. So the average household in America. 
or more than half, um, let's say their water heater breaks and they get a slightly above average heating bill, well, they're in bankruptcy land. Amazing. Um, that's harrowing. And <laughs> when I look at the median retirement savings in America right now, the average American, and this includes people who have saved tens of millions of dollars, so they're pulling it up. Right, right, right. They're the, destroying Across the curve. everybody, it's $172,000 when somebody retires. Now, if we do a little simple math, that's not enough to provide uh, a very healthy standard of living when someone retires. Now, some people are going to be just fine on that because they have been low earners their whole life and they're totally cool with living on some social security and yeah. a couple thousand extra bucks a year. Um, and that's another kind of piece of this puzzle that I always think is interesting is sometimes people who make very little are the best at these skills yes. because they know that there's no question that I'm just going to assume there's money in the bank. Yes. I have to plan every penny. Yes. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but... Um, treating every dollar that comes under your care as if it's really important yes. what you do with it is is a hallmark of somebody who's moved from ignorance to order in their financial situation. Yes. We had a guy down the street when I grew up, probably four or five houses down. This guy was an engineer. Um, not not. You know, I, I, I've, I went to Texas A&M, so I knew a lot of engineers and I've kind of seen them be placed out into the world. So there's civil engineers that build roads. They don't make a killing. There's engineers that work for Nokia and they do quite well. So this guy was a low to middle, um, engineer, you know, as far as earnings goes, he had, he lived in a modest house in the suburbs of Houston where we grew up. He always drove an old used car he always dressed modestly and my parents told me i guess when i'm old enough to talk have such discussions you'd say you know uh you know uh bob down the street there he's uh you know he's a millionaire many times over he has much more money than we do i just about my jaw hit the floor what are you what are you talking about well he's He's been responsible with every dollar that's come in. So they, you know, they vacationed on a budget when his kids were five years old. I'm like, we never did that. We didn't, we didn't think in those terms. We did not, we were not a super budgety family. And I was just, anyways, I was just shocked to realize he's, he still lives there and he does great. And he's, he's retired now and he's planned for all of it. And he's, doing fine i think there's a there's a financial superstar that guy yeah that's i mean the book that sort of enlightened the world to this was called the millionaire next door and it's full of statistics about what the average millionaire's life looks like and it doesn't look like bmws right. and mcmansions it looks like you know older toyota camrys and an average middle class home and I think we need to think about that uh, in terms of what are we trying to do with our money. I don't think our goal as kingdom-minded sort of money managers is um, to accumulate a million dollars so that we can be the millionaire next door. Yeah. That's not what we're after. No. But there's principles that those people are using that we need to employ so that we are 
ultra trustworthy when it comes to managing yeah. the the resources of the kingdom. So the the book that changed my wife's life, and she she had money. She was earning money way before I was. She had a degree that actually earned money while I was running around trying to be a musician, and she was given a book called The Millionaire Barber. I think it was the or the Rich Barber or something like that. And it was her boss that gave her this book and said, what are you, what are you putting aside right now? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm living it up. Don't, aren't I dressed nice? What do you think of my car? And, he's, and, and she came from a, a family of poverty. I came from a family of poverty. And she, she ran in this book that just said, hey, you need to start planning. And if you do, you don't have to have outrageous income to be wealthy. The wealthy barber. There it is, the wealthy which, barber. Which is funny because you, your family sort of became wealthy yeah. largely on the backs of of a barber. Well, my my friend David refers to me as a hair baron, which I I really like that title, hair barons. Yeah, our first our first um, entrepreneurial splash was a hair salon, which did great, which is a great story. So. You know, the other thing I wanted to kick in about readiness before we move on was some people, they go, I am really good at this, ordering my money, preparing, I've got millions of dollars in the bank, we're good to go, and they forget the kind of other piece of readiness is, have I trained my kids to actually handle money? Um, It's pretty rare that somebody has either trained their younger kids on how to handle financial matters or involve their older kids in conversations about what is it that I want to do with this this money? Like, what's our vision as a family? I'm going to go beyond just my wife and I and expand that. So that's the other piece of readiness because, you know, we've talked about it in last week's podcast, but if you just dump a bunch of money on kids, you're doing them in pretty much. Yeah. So readiness is more than just piling up assets. It's preparing your entire family to be good at handling them and trustworthy with them, all that stuff. Okay. Are you, are you good on telling us problems and doom and gloom? Are you, are you good on that? Yeah. I think without digging into specific stories of people who have, um, trusted us with with marching them back to the path of order and readiness then um those are relatively endless whether it's people that i've worked with or just people i've bumped into um i think that the point is most people unless they have decided very consciously we're going to put a plan in place on how we're going to approach finances they end up mostly just hoping that things are going to work out. And sometimes they do, and that's often they do for decades at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you wake up and you're 40 years old and you've never created a plan, but hey, there's $100,000 in the bank because I've got a great job. I must be doing okay. Yeah. Um, and that can be a negative feedback loop that kind of yeah. is deceptive. Yeah, I'll just throw into this discussion that there's people like, I just want to acknowledge because I think, this comes into the Christian mind. Well, what about the people that God has told them to live on nothing? And I, I just want to acknowledge there are heroes like George Mueller who proves, he proves 
that if your life is about giving and your life is about sacrifice um, and God has called you into a very specific lifestyle of, of, you know, giving and being uh, humanitarian with everything you've got, he proved God will take care of him. And, and I love his book. If you've never read the autobiography of George Mueller, go do it. You'll be, you'll be expanded um, in your spirit by seeing how God provides for people. My quick reply to that would be, that is not God's plan for the vast majority of his people. What he wants to do is he wants to, again, I said this earlier, he wants to give us things to take care of and to build. He wants us to learn how to administrate. He wants us to learn how to rule. That's something that we we talk about around here. And so your money is such a practical way for you to kind of... um, live out this authority and this responsibility that he wants to give to his kids. So I just want to, I just want to knock that, knock that down if that's in anybody's mind. Um, so I'm imagining people listening to this are probably feel guilty, overwhelmed and frustrated by hearing all this stuff. And because we know that that's what most people are like. So that means most people that are listening to this. This is a this is a crux moment for anyone who's hearing it and feeling guilty because this is what happens. You've whether it's because you got the annual statement from your retirement plan or you're listening to this podcast or whatever, anytime money comes up, you have a choice of I feel guilty. Am I going to press into this right. or am I going to go it's probably going to be fine. I'm going to quit thinking about it. Yes. And that's like you, you, we invite you right now into the space of saying, nah, it should probably go down this order path. Yeah. Um, so that I'm, I think we can assume that's who we're talking to because yeah. the, the, the head in the Sanders have already turned us off. Right. So now we're talking to a 28 year old guy. He's got a few years in the workforce. He's kind of, boy, this is good. This is it. I I hear this is what God wants for me. You know, I think that we also are talking to a 45-year-old guy who's got three kids and has done a phenomenal job of family building, but goes, I just haven't had time for this money stuff. Like My experience says that there's as many of those out there as there are youngins who are excited about yep. financial management. So, okay, so let's we're going to talk to both of you. Okay, let's give a Carl little bit of and Andrew helpful, hopeful tips about what to do from here. The, the, there's a couple things that come to my mind. You know, George McDonald, I think I could be getting that name wrong. You can check it on your machine there. Um, ordering your private world, Gordon McDonald, I believe. Ordering your private world. Um, and, and basically all I want to say by referencing that book, and I could reference uh, Jordan Peterson, one of his things is um, clean your room. That's something that Vody Bauckham said years ago. I remember he's a, he's a preacher, and I remember hearing him 20 years ago talking about guys would ask him, what do I do about my pornography problem? And his answer was clean your room. Do you, he said, do you make your bed in the morning? And the point is you have disorder in your mind 
Is there order in your physical space around you? Do you clean your room? Is your bed made every day? And that's that. That's the stuff that Jordan Peterson gets to. And then we could expand that into the the. Is it Gordon McDonald? Yep. Ordering your private world is like. Well, I want to. I want order to the way that I have quiet times with God. I want order in the way that I'm going through the scriptures. I want order in my prayer life. I just want to say for for anybody, God. I believe God wants order in every part of your life. I believe He wants order in your car. I think He wants order at your desk. I think he wants order in the way that you're sleep training your newborn kids, in the way that you're uh, teaching your four-year-old how to obey, in the way that you're training your 15-year-old and how to start taking the kind of responsibility that we're talking about. Order everywhere. And so my, my thinking is, and I'll just repeat it, my thinking is if you feel like I can't get my head around my finances right now, I would say, let's go to really practical physical space. And I'd say, what does your bedroom look like? And what Jordan Peterson says is that psychologically, taking care of a space and being the master of that domain, even if it's a bedroom, and you go, everything in this room is where it's supposed to be because I declared it and I put it there and I've created order. There's order in my kitchen. There's order in my bathroom. What you're doing is you're, you're developing these muscles that are, I am supposed to be ruling. And, and fellas, you are supposed to rule your bedroom. <laughs> you, you, I mean, that's your space. Whose else's space is it? It's yours. So your, you know, if your desktop, I look at, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can be fastidious about this, but like, look at the desktop of your computer space. How, have you spent any time organizing that thing or is it just files everywhere and it would take a, a scientist to find the file you're looking for? Is there order in your in your world? And I think that we can do something really small and practical and start developing those muscles of ruling and managing and giving order. That's my thought. What would you say? Financially? Yeah, so financially... If you if you're just hearing this and going, I want one thing, just push pause, go back to budgeting 101, which is one of the first podcasts we made, and listen because step one of that process of how do I get started with budgeting is look reality square in the eyes, and I'll I give you some tips there on how to do it. My number one tip for most people is. Plug up your all your bank accounts into Mint or some other tool like that because it'll suck everything in. Don't try to to look good and clean yourself up for a month. Just say, I'm going to track every dollar that comes in and out of my whole picture for a couple months or a month, whatever it takes, and then look at it and go, here's okay, the reality. here's the reality. The reason I'm not saving any money is because I make $6,000 a month and I spend $6,400 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, that's a problem. And the only reason we're afloat now is because sometimes we get a check from grandma <laughs> or we sold the you know, we sold the Jeep last year and didn't really replace it or whatever. But we're bleeding a little bit. So step one is like pull your head out of the sand and look at the situation. I... I'd say the number one question I get from people who are talking to me about working together is, uh, here's our situation, and it could be they could be doing awesome or poorly. It doesn't matter. Here's our situation. Like, do you think we're doing okay? Mm-hmm. And 
some of them have spent a lot of time on it, but most people are just kind of like, I've never really looked at this hard. So just look and see reality. That's great. Um, you know, if you heard some of those stats and went, man, I'm in that bucket of people who could be shipwrecked by a, a relatively small emergency. Dave Ramsey's one of the first steps that he recommends to anybody is take care of that issue. Like we might as well not make a plan if it's going to be derailed by something relatively minor that comes along. So emergency fund is a good thing to do in order to do it. If you're in this position of not having any plans together, you're going to need a budget. So budget for people who haven't really started down this path is step one. That is the financial cleaning of one's room. Okay. Um, and, and what? How, how big should an emergency fund be? So this is interesting. The standard wisdom says three to six months of your operating expenses for your life. Okay. Some people go, oh my God, that's $20,000. $20,000? And that's why, again, I'm not always a Dave Ramsey advocate, but I think he gets this one right. He says, start with $1,500. That's right. Because that's what's going to, you know... You you rarely have a five thousand dollar essential expense that pops up. Yep. Sometimes but the it happens. Go out. But right, you do have five hundred dollar expenses yes. that happen. Um, so start with fifteen hundred dollars. That's our buffer. Uh, and then he would say, just go pay all your debt, and then we'll start saving. I think there's other ways to approach it. Mm-hmm. We were not going to get into that today, but uh, just having that that bumper that protects you from the small collisions is really useful when That's it comes great. to emergency funds. So think of a, a disaster fund and an emergency fund. Eventually, once you get it to this order thing for real, we're going to have three to six months of operating expenses put away um, to run your household when you lose your job unexpectedly mm-hmm. or whatever comes. But start small. That's great. Um, the other thing I would say is that the, a lot of people come to me and say, I need a financial plan. And I think they assume at the onset that if I could save them a bunch of work and time by sucking everything out of their brain and just saying, here's the perfect financial plan for you. Here's the instructions, go. That that would be really great because then they don't have to do, you know, when when I work with a client, I require a lot of work from them. Yes. Um and sometimes it's hard for people to get through that. But if I if I did that, I think it would be worth 5% of what a less good final product plan is worth to them that they put in the effort to create. Yeah. So the value of a plan is something. It's not nothing. But the value of planning and learning the skill of surveying my my resources, allocating them, and then adjusting over time as I go, that's worth a ton. It's yeah. teaching a man to fish, right? Yeah. I, Because nobody's plan is going to be static. You made a plan thinking this was the world. And then six months later, your wife said, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be staying home. Right. And now you have half the income or whatever the situation is. You know, mom and dad called you and said, we didn't do any planning and now we need to move in with you yeah. and we're also going to need you to cover our grocery expenses. Yeah. Well, the plan just changed yes. and 
so this is where I think if you're in the the category that goes, I'm really good at some things. This isn't what I'm really good at. Then I say, you might be one of the people for whom having a long-term relationship with somebody that helps with this type of thing is a good idea. I don't think everybody has to work with a financial planner Mm -hmm. at all. I think some people need to work with a financial planner to get them kickstarted in this process and learn how to do it. And some people need to focus 100% on the things they're good at and say, I'm always going to have counsel. That's great stuff. I I just want to, as we close, I just want to say that my my main take on all this stuff is that minding your financial business and being in charge of your home and the way that your resources uh, come in and go out of your roof is not just for financial wonks who want to be, I don't know, nerd ball, like the guy that lived down the street from me and he knows where every dollar goes and oh good, I feel financially superior or something. I, I, I say, based on the things that I said at the beginning of our discussion, I say that this is a biblical quality that a man of God has, which is he's not unaware of what's happening around him. He's not ignorant. He's ready. Like Proverbs 6 says, he's ready for disaster. He's ready for the Lord's return. Um, he's ready to defend the gospel. Um, and he's he is a a complement to and an expander of God's God's plan to have an ordered world. He he's somebody who helps administrate God's ordered world in his personal space. And then obviously we want to be evangelists about that with those around us. Hey, we, we want to help bring order to your home. Well, your home seems out of order. Well, how do the relationships work? Oh, you haven't gotten your car worked on? Why do you have a, why do you have the same headlight out that you had out nine months ago? Do you know that you could stop by an auto zone and bring some order into your world by spending money on a headlight? You know, those are the kinds of things that I think they express the fact that we we serve a God of order and he has given us the kingdom. It's, it's ours to go to rule and to administrate. That's, that's really a, the main point I want to make. I think to guys. Yeah, that's great. I think the, the truth is that some of us are money wonks and enjoy that. And you we're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, I mean, if anything, I, I, there's a ditch on the other side of this, which is, <laughs> you know, I run to my spreadsheets and financial plan yes, when I come to cross trouble. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not that's common. another problem. That's a different problem. And it's just not the, the average person's no. problem. So, no. um, but I think that, like you said, it's not that we need to all become money geeks. Even I, as a financial planner, there's certain things when a client says I need X, Y, or Z, I go, great. I will be using some of the fees that you've paid me to go out and hire somebody who's only an expert in mm. that one thing. You know, I don't pick municipal bonds uh-huh. because there's millions of them and there's people whose only job it is is to know which ones are better than others. Right. And I'm like, I'll be sharing some of the money you've paid me with somebody who's really good at that and right. they'll be doing that for right. us. Um, just like not all of them, but the average physician is really good at being a physician mm-hmm. and they often will call me and go, I'm really good at being a physician. You're really good at managing money. Let's trade some of our, our resources yes. and, and both be better here. So I think that 
that's a totally adequate, good fulfillment of the call towards order is to find the right people to come around you and help or to get really good at it yourself and do it. The The only option that, that fails the test is, I just don't really want to think about this right now. I'm going to stick my head in the, right. in the sand. So guys, be ready. Paul told Timothy, be prepared in season and out of season. We want to up our readiness quotient. We want to not be ignorant about what's happening around us. We want to wake up to reality. You might want to follow Mark's uh, suggestion that you just stick everything into mint and just find out where is where are my finances right now. You might want to take my suggestion that you just order something physical around you. Say your room and you just go, I'm going to make my bed every day for the next month. I'm just going to bring some order and I'm going to start practicing the fact that I was made to rule and I was made to be an administrator. Even if you are like me, you're a musician brain, creative brain. Like I don't really like to administrate. I know it's your destiny to grow into that. So dudes, we want you to be ready for the days to come. So um, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here with us. Um, I'm Steve Manuel. And I'm Mark Parrott. For Abraham's Wallet. Thanks. Thanks.